If people were like packages in the mail, we'd have the word fragile stamped all over us. The truth is that no matter how tough someone may seem, we're all breakable in lots of different ways. It makes sense then that gentleness overflows when you abide in Jesus. God wants his people to interact with meekness, with strength that's under control. Today, Pastor Daniel shares that calm and safety flow in when you're filled with gentleness. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Galatians chapter 5 as he continues his message, Crazy Happy Living. You know, I'm aware of the fact that when I was in my darkest days, because I had a strong support network in my family, I hadn't burned all those bridges, how much that helped me. But you realize that people, because of broken families, lost loved ones, obviously mental health issues, addictions, all these different things that go on, people end up in rough situations. I'm always reminded that if I fell on hard times, I have a huge big church family, that if I needed help, people would help me. You know, but I realize a lot of people don't have that support network for all different reasons, not just because of their mistakes, but because of the mistakes of people that people make. And you just realize like, oh man, it, it's, we have a tendency if we broad brush a whole group of people in a bad way, we completely miss out on the real story. And when you're driven by goodness, now all of a sudden you start making a bunch of different decisions because now you're like, actually, I'm not gonna let the politics, the media tell me how to deal with this. I'm going to say, Holy Spirit, what, what would you have me do? What does goodness look like to this person? And what's amazing is, is goodness leads to repentance. Not judgment, not wrath, but God's goodness flowing through our lives. Now, from there, the next one, and now we move into the last three characteristics, which are primarily inward. They're things that God wants to form into our characters, into our, into our identities, into who we are. Now, obviously, the stuff that's inward affects outward and upward. It's all integrated. But it is interesting because the next one is, it says the, the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. Now, I love this. I would say it this way. Brothers and sisters, we need to be faithful like your father. And I mean your heavenly father. Because I realize not everyone had faithful dads. But you need to be faithful like your father in heaven because God is always faithful. Now when you think of what does the word faithful mean or faithfulness, it literally means that a person is someone who you can rely upon. There's a trustworthiness to them. There is a reliability to who they are. All through the scriptures, it's, it's used as a description in a positive way of uh, great servants, of people who have the confession of Jesus. People of great character are known as being faithful. And it's the word faith in the Greek, it's the word pistis, but it's now faith as, as an adjective, as a quality. 
So really God wants us to be faithful because God is faithful. I think of 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, where it says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. So one thing that you have to know about your father in heaven is that he is the most reliable, trustworthy person you'll ever meet. He is always there for you. No matter how far you stray and you turn back to him, he's never like, yep, nope, I'm over you. He's faithful to you. He's faithful to the promises he makes. He's faithful to fulfill the things he said he's gonna fulfill. I love that verse in Philippians chapter one that we can be confident of this very thing that he who started a good work will be faithful to complete it in you until the coming of Jesus. I love that verse. That no matter what goes on, God is gonna be faithful to do that work of transforming me into Christ's likeness every day. Even when I'm faithless, he's still faithful. And God wants the people of God to be expressions of his faithfulness. And, and really, here's what I wanna tell you. Faithfulness, it has to be something that is in your heart before it's ever in your actions. You know, like, we have a tendency to look at someone's actions and say, oh, look at what they did. But it really, long before somebody does anything outwardly, they have to be it inwardly. You know, like, so if, if, if somebody stole your car, you'd be like, oh, man, I didn't know they were a car thief. It's like, no, they were a car thief already. Just a matter when your car got to be the target. And so God wants to do a work, and faithfulness is a choice. Now, can I just be super honest with you? Faithfulness is in super short supply today. Because faithfulness is long-suffering in relationship and in action. Faithfulness to God, faithfulness to the people around us, being somebody who your yes is yes and your no is no. You're a person who, of integrity that if you don't do it, you know what I mean? Then you're gonna apologize. Like, hey, listen, I know you were relying on me. Please forgive me. Like, but we should be the kind of people that when we say we're gonna be there, we're there. When, when, when we say, listen, this is what I'm going to do, then there's an old saying, my word is my bond. Now you have to have like 87-page contracts. There used to be like a handshake was good enough. Not anymore, right? And really, God is faithful, but left up to our own devices, faithfulness is hard to come by because faithfulness for many of us is something that is situational, but it's not for God. So God wants to do a work of faithfulness. Now, what I would tell you is that right now in every single one of our lives, there are opportunities for us to practice faithfulness. But here's what I want to tell you. In our, I'll only do it if it's fun kind of a culture, a lot of the things that we need to be faithful in are not that much fun. Like, it's hard to be faithful. But here's what I want to tell you, brother and sister, listen, it's way harder not to be faithful. Like if you choose unfaithfulness, it will be harder for you. There's a research coming out now about, you know, uh, about uh, people who get divorced. And I realize that, you know, not every divorce is, is sinful. Sometimes there's really huge issues that marriages get violated and all these things. Jesus spoke about that. But five years later, almost 80% of the people who got divorced wish they hadn't. It's amazing. Like, like they thought it'd be better on the other side. It's not better on the other side. You know, that's why I've been reading a little bit about this, about the different stages of the spiritual life for people. And I've been reading a lot about middle age because, well, I am. And, and, and I'm, I'm seeking to understand it as I'm embarking on this, this journey in my mid-40s right now. And I'm seeing, you know, things change. And what's amazing is they were, I was reading this whole thing about uh, the spirituality of the midlife crisis. And really, it's funny what 
what these theologians were saying. They were saying that part of what goes on in the midlife crisis is that when you get established, you have a family, you have a career, at some point you realize it's not as fulfilling as you thought it would be. And you miss the honeymoon of things when they were young and without, without uh, you didn't have all these responsibilities. And so what people do is they want to flee back to their teenage years, hoping that it's going to get there. But then they were talking about all the research about people who do that kind of stuff, how they're way more miserable. Because you actually, you couldn't find it the first go around. What makes you think you're going to find it the second go around? You can't. It's a fool's errand, but we do it. People do it. I remember I was talking to a buddy of mine. He's like, I've had four midlife crises. He told me. I'm like, well, what do they look like? He's like, oh, I bought two sports cars. He had all these different things that he did on each one. He's like, I'm, on, I'm like, are you, in, are you going for your fifth one? He's like, nah, I just waste a lot of money. I don't get what I'm looking for, you know? But he was, you know, he was faithful to his spouse in the midst of it. But like for many of you right now, that's what you're going through. You know, maybe, you know, in your marriage, there's somebody at work who they treat you all nice and they really think, you know, that they're really making you feel special, but it's not your spouse. You got to stop that. Because it's really easy for them to think you're special because they don't even know you. (laughs) Was that unkind? I'm sorry. Kindness matters. (laughs) Oh, pray for me. But it's the truth though, isn't it? And it's like, it's like, it's really easy until you know them, you know what I mean? And it's like, but we have to remember that faithfulness is a choice. You know, and I'll be honest with you, for me, every day I'm like, Lord, I wanna be faithful to you, Jesus, because you're faithful to me. And Lord, I wanna be a faithful husband. I wanna be a faithful dad. And I wanna be a faithful pastor. And I wanna be a faithful friend. I wanna be the kind of person that I'm reliable, steady, I do what I say. I say what I'm going to do. There's not like, man, I thought they were going to do this and they did the exact opposite. Like, like, I want that because I know that's who my Father in heaven is. And I think God wants that for you as well. He's faithful. He wants you to be faithful. And he wants to make you faithful by his faithfulness. But faithfulness is in our hearts first before it's an action. I think for some of us, that's why you just got to pray. Like, Lord, make me faithful in this season. Make me faithful to the witness of Jesus. Let me be faithful to pray for my, for my community, for my world. We want to be faithful like our Father in heaven. Now look at the eighth characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit. And now we're moving into, of course, verse 23. The fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. And I would say that we should be gentle because everything is fragile. You know, and, and that idea of gentleness, it, it really speaks of somebody who has themselves under control in such a way that, you know, some would say that they're always angry at the right times and never angry at the wrong times. That's how Aristotle put it. That word, gentleness. That there is an appropriate time for these different things. Uh, some of your translations have a little note that says it's the same word for meekness, which is strength under control, which is also one of the Beatitudes. So you realize that the crazy happy way is, is a way of gentleness or meekness. Now, one of my favorite uh, explanations of gentleness comes from the Apostle Paul, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 to 9. The Apostle Paul said it this way. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children, so affectionately longing for you, We were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because 
you had become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and our toil for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. Now, all that picture, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children, so affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart not only the gospel, but our very lives. So the best picture of gentleness is a new mom with a child who is nursing. Everybody knows when you see those little, little babies, right, that those babies are fragile, right? That's why you, you, you wrap them up like a little burrito, you know, you put the, the you need their head needs to be warm, and, and everyone just, like, you just, like, I remember when I was, I remember as a young man when my cousin started having babies, they let me hold them, and I was so, like, freaked out. I'm like, so little. You know, and like, you're just like, I don't want to drop the kid. I didn't, you know, you just, you realize how fragile that life is. And I think what happens as we get older, we begin to forget how fragile things are. People are fragile. And that's not like a negative thing. That's just real. And some of us who have that gruff exterior, you know that gruff exterior, you're still fragile on the inside. You're like, the human soul is shy and fragile. And oftentimes in a world that lacks these characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit, every, we just get run roughshod over. Like, I'm always amazed sometimes, and, and I'm not bemoaning it. I, I love that I get called to be a pastor, but sometimes as a pastor, people treat me really poorly. And I'm kind of amazed sometimes. I'm like, man, like, you just kind of ran at me. I'm sorry you didn't like what I said, but, you know, like, I'm just a person, like, I'm not the Messiah. Like, I haven't, been, I haven't had a perfect day in my entire life. But I'm amazed at sometimes how aggressive people can be. And I, I've been in a long time, so I don't let it really kind of eat my lunch too much. But sometimes I'm like, man, you must think that I'm like really strong on the inside. I'm, like, I'm just like everybody else. I'm just a person. Just trying to do it right. Trying to honor the Lord. Yeah, I'm sorry that I said Paul instead of Peter. I said Thessalonians instead of this. Like, sorry. You know, like, I put my foot, I'm like, I got foot and mouth disease, always. That's why I'm a pastor. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of what, but I'm always amazed because I'm like, man, like, what do people think I am? Like, but, but you know what it is in the end of the day? When you realize that everything is fragile, everyone is fragile, then all of a sudden you start treating them gently. You, you put kid gloves on because they're God's kid and you care about them. And I love that idea. What does it look like for us to move through the world and like nursing mothers longing to care for their little child, that's how we should treat people. And it's a fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness. Who right now needs you to be a vehicle for God's gentle care in their life? God wants to use you in these ways. I love this. The fruit of the Spirit is, is gentleness. And and. It's, again, it's, it's this idea of a meekness dealing with others. Again, it has this quality of like a mildness, a, you know, not coarse, but calm. Not turbulent, but safe. And when we're in Jesus, is it easy when we're abiding in Jesus, this stuff is, comes easy, and when we're not, it's hard to come by. Because when we're not abiding in Jesus, we become exceedingly turbulent, and then the final, the ninth characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit, of course, is self-control. And I would like to say that self-control is holy intentionality. That's what it is. You know, I always like to joke that self-control is last, 
for a reason. You know, and I think for all of us, we have areas where we struggle with self-control. Everyone's different, you know, but I think all of us have, there's areas that we exercise self-control well, and there's other areas that are, maybe aren't so well. You know, no, I don't know anybody who has every area of their life completely uh, in control. And so, you know, you could say it this way. It, it, it speaks of a victory over the the kind of rebellious desires, the fleshly desires. And it really, because you have that victory over those desires, there is a kind of a, a chastity or a, a, an ability to govern your conduct in such a way that your life has got different qualities to it. It could also be um, translated temperance, this idea of possessing power or having strong mastery over different parts of our lives. And I call it a holy intentionality because I think really what goes on is that as we walk with Jesus, God gives us this desire for our lives to have self-control and we become very aware of where our temptations lie and we develop game plans on how we're not gonna walk in those temptations. Like I remember I was reading about nutrition and they were saying that, uh, you know, your diet's victory happens in the grocery store and it made me laugh. Because it's like, yeah, it's like if it's not in the house, then you have to work to get it, right? So like, yes, we know, I don't have Twinkies at the house. I keep them all here at the church. No, I'm just kidding. You know what I mean? But, but it's like, but like if you have them in the house, you're gonna eat them. Like, because uh, you, you go in the pantry and there's like, there's bananas and there's apples and, and, and there's some lettuce and then there's a Twinkie and we all know what's getting taken unless you have a holy intentionality. Right, in the same way, like I was just talking to some, some young guys, this was a couple months back, and, you know, and, and they were struggling, and I'm like, you know, and they're struggling with what they were watching on the internet. I'm like, okay, so what's the plan? Like, I don't know, Daniel, what's the plan? And I'm like, well, here, and I gave him like, I gave him like a whole bunch of steps, like here, you should put filtering software on there, and you should, you know, your URL should be sent to somebody, and you just gotta, you just gotta deal with that. And one of the guys was like, that's really good, how do you know that? I'm like, because I've been there. It's a journey that you're on. Right? But, but if, if you want to honor the Lord and you don't want the areas where you struggle to deal with the desires, the, the rebellious desires against God, you make a plan. And it's a holy intentionality because I'm here to tell you, God's kids fight these battles. And we live in a world where lots of people don't fight those battles. They just give in to those things. But the children of God say, because I live and I abide in Jesus, because I want to walk in the Spirit, I can't walk in the Spirit and fulfill these lusts. I can't do it. Because right as I start doing that, I'm not walking in the Spirit, and I'm actually undercutting the very things that I want out of my life. So you start making a plan, and it's an intentional plan, but it's a holy plan. And it's not salvation by works. It's a faith that works, where you say, in order for me to be able to accomplish and do the things that God has for me, these things need to change, and I need to make a plan. And I want to encourage you, it's not wrong to have struggles. What's wrong is to have struggles and not fight the battle. Everybody's got issues. Everyone's got struggles. No one is perfect. One of you, man, maybe some of you are like, man, Pastor, I would never eat a Twinkie. Man, I am so healthy. Great. Are you reading your Bible every day? Not really, but I'm so fit. You know, it's like, it's like everyone's got their stuff. People struggle in different areas. And it's not about one area being better or worse. Different areas are more destructive, obviously. But the key for us is what is your area of struggle and what is the plan that you're saying, Lord, this is how I'm gonna try and attack this. Because Jesus said, if your right hand causes you to sin, it'd be better for you to chop it off and go through the life with one hand than to you know, live life giving into it and fall into a lost eternity. If your eye causes you to sin, he says, pluck it out. 
Better go through life with no sight than to go through life and sin. He's not saying that we should amputate limbs. He's saying we should deal ruthlessly with our struggles. And brothers and sisters, listen. The life that Jesus has for you, the abundant life in Jesus, is on the other side of these battles. It's actually in the midst of these battles. Because when you take the step of faith to fight against the areas that lack self-control, Jesus meets us there. Anybody you know who's going through recovery right now, and I always like to remind everyone, we're all in recovery. Don't ever miss that. We're, we're all reno projects. Every single one of us. But if you know someone who's going through, you know, recovery for drugs and alcohol, they tell you, is it easy? No. Are they meeting Jesus every day as they struggle? Absolutely. That's how it works. Because the step of, like, when you're, when you're taking the step of faith to live into God's kingdom, God meets us in a powerful way. And I always tell people that God meets us on the step of faith and he empowers us on the step of faith, never before it. That's what we want. We want God to give us the grace we need before we take the step. See, God never parted the Red Sea until they were ready to walk through it. It wasn't sitting there parted for them. You, you fast forward into the, into the book of Joshua when they're going into the, into the promised land, right as the priests put their feet in the water, then the water parted fascinating to me because we, we want it parted so that we know that we can make it God's like no take the step of faith and then I'll make the way for you he doesn't need us to take the step of faith but he wants us to learn this stuff and I think for all of us part of this year of restoration part of God restoring the soul is us no longer letting the things that are ripping us off continue to rip us off what do they say they say that change happens when the pain of staying the same is worse than the pain of having to make new ways of living. And brothers and sisters, listen, we all have areas that we struggle in. So let's just struggle with these areas together in community. People on our sides, in our corner, helping us along. And that's that holy intentionality. And of course, it's a fruit of the Spirit. There's nothing that gets me more excited than when someone says, Pastor Daniel, I was so convicted and they share a struggle. I would say, praise God. They look at me like I'm nuts. I'm like, listen, I'm praising God because that conviction proves you're God's kid. The fact that what you're doing is grieving your heart proves that the spirit of God is working in you. That's a good thing. Because if you weren't God's child, you wouldn't be convicted of this. God is inviting you into the abundant life, a crazy happy life. And, when I, and what I love so much about who Jesus is is that his plan for each one of us is in the midst of the struggles of life. That's why I think the crazy happy way is so fun. Because it doesn't say, once everything works out, you'll be happy. It says, actually, there's happiness in the journey. You see God's plans in our imperfections because we know he's the only perfect one. And we want to grow. Today, you were reminded that the abundant life that Jesus wants for you is on the other side of the struggles that you're facing right now. When you take a step of faith to live in line with God's way, He'll meet you there in that moment and give you what you need to keep going. You can trust God to show up as you continue to press on and live a self-controlled life. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel, and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy, 
And the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be, and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Thanks for joining us as Pastor Daniel wrapped up this series about the crazy happy life that God wants for us. You learned that this abundant, happy life doesn't often come in the ways that you'd expect. Pastor Daniel focused in on the Beatitudes and the fruit of the Spirit as guidelines for how to experience the happiness that God designed you to have. Instead of trying to find fulfillment in relationships, careers, or stuff, God says true happiness is found in places you'd never expect as you abide in Him. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.